Alrighty, yo yo mama, it's time to <laughs> dust off your starter jackets, rip off those tearaways, blow into your game cartridges. I'm Sean Kelly. I'm Pat Sellers. And I'm Simon Blandford. And we wish it was the 90s. Welcome back to our very famous podcast episode series this week on, where we dive into 90s classic Seinfeld with the uh, the double episode of The Pitch and The Ticket, which I believe originally aired, well, I want to say September 16, 1992, uh, season four, episodes three and four. Um, but before we get into the thick of it, uh, we're just going to share a few of our Seinfeld memories. I'm going to go to you first, Simon. Thank you, Sean. Great to be here. My Seinfeld memories begin very vaguely in the 90s. I'm not really watching it. You know, when Seinfeld finished, I was 11. So I wouldn't say as much as I would like to think I was a very advanced 11-year-old. I don't think that Seinfeld was aimed at 11-year-olds, and you probably wouldn't have appreciated it that much as an 11-year-old. So my first real binging of Seinfeld took place in 2008, flatting on Guzney Street with Jesse Slankard and Gazelle Moinfar. We lived in an old, uh, uh, now condemned building, and we're all at university, myself at Teachers College, Gazelle at Architecture School on Vivian Street, and Jesse at Law School. And we every night we'd come home for dinner, and eat dinner in front of the one laptop the three of us own, Jesse's, and we put the Seinfeld DVD in, and we'd watch two episodes every night. And it was my first experience of truly watching Seinfeld, and all three of us fell in love with it. Um, just an absolutely amazing show, and I always have fond memories of that time uh, because of Seinfeld. It brings me back to that time of my life. Phenomenal. What about you, Sellers? First off, that feels like a real luxury these days, having a laptop with a CD or DVD drive in it. Uh, <laughs> I was running some, we had some pretty old software for work, and I had to get one that was external. Uh, it wasn't easy to find something that you could plug into a USB that was uh, a CD drive. So anyway, uh, my I'm, I'm probably some of the line is simon there with uh yeah like it probably wasn't pitched to us in the 90s so my memories are more around being in the lounge watching my dad watch seinfeld where yeah. he would just be absolutely losing it uh, pretty much <laughs> any time kramer came on the sc screen and i just remember him constantly going he's mad that bastard um, <laughs> yeah. But I like, can literally was, picture Tony doing this. Almost <laughs> falling off the couch, laughter. And like I, I, I reckon I would have been laughing along because he was so into it. And I probably wasn't really getting it. But um, but I have I've fond memories of, yeah, watching this kind of without watching it. I would have been laughing at all the, you know, stupid stuff that Kramer did. But I don't think I would have enjoyed the things I like now. Um. And I've had a couple of uh, rewatches of Seinfeld in the last decade, decade or so. Um, but yeah, my memories of watching my dad watch Seinfeld. That's a that's a that's a good way to 
be introduced to something. My, uh, I th- I'm, I'm similar. Like I remember it always being on. Um, I don't necessarily remember reveling or, or paying super attention to it. Um, and I could be wrong, but I think there was a period of time where it was on quite late on TV2. And I think that would have been more when we were high school age. And I used to watch a lot of, I was a bit of a late boy, you know, late for school, late to bed. And so I just watched whatever was on TV when I was in bed. So I had a, you know, what was a small screen, but a relatively large TV for the time. Um, I had s- sitting up in my room. And so I watched a bit. And then more recently, um, the YouTube algorithms have really lent into this. And I can't remember, up until watching these two episodes, I can't remember the last time I watched an episode in its entirety, but I feel like I've watched so much Seinfeld in the last couple of years just via YouTube, just the great scenes, the great moments. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of, I, I don't know if I've ever done a full watch through. Um, it's one of those things where I feel like I've seen every episode, but I couldn't confirm it. I've never sort of sat down and watched from beginning to end, which is something I probably should do, but God knows if I'll ever have the time. That really rings a bell, that like high school age and it was on really late, like that really rings a bell. I was the same. I always have my TV on perhaps until I fall asleep at one and then be late to school. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you're right. I reckon it was on TV two real late at nights around that era. Mm. Definitely, definitely was Cam Pollock's brother. I'm pretty sure Ryan had um, every single episode taped from TV two. It was a real pri- real prized collection. Um, Let's go. Yeah, I also just to add to my memories um, later on in life. My wife and I, we used to go around to my auntie and uncle's house and every Monday night and we watched two Seinfeld episodes. So I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I've watched it through two or three times now, the, the, the nine seasons. That's impressive. Uh, before we get into um, one of Simon's sensational synopses, <laughs> I forgot to I forgot to do the plug. I better do it now before people, people log off or stop watching or oh, stop yeah, listening. Yeah. So... Podcast, wish it was the 90s, WIWT90S, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a Facebook group that doesn't do anything. And we're available on pretty much the the marquee podcast uh, avenues. You, you know, your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, your iHeartRadios, a few others floating about. Um, yeah, and actually lately we've seen a little bit of traction in the Slack. So feel free to throw some comments, some suggestions, some sledges, whatever. And feel free also, if you want to, to review us, five-star us. Turns out you can say whatever you want. It's only the five stars that matter. So feel free. Hit the space bar a couple of times. That'll do. That will do. Um, Simon, sensational synopses. Well, very hard to follow that fantastic pitch, but I'm going to uh, give it a go with my own. A very original pitch straight from Wikipedia, so let's read it. So the NBC executives, two of them, approached Jerry after his comedy act and asked him to come up with an idea for a TV series. Series. George decides that he can be a sitcom writer, of course, because he's George, and comes up with the idea of it being a show about nothing. 
Kramer and his wacky friend, Newman, uh, in amongst it as usual, and Kramer decides to trade Newman a radar detector for a helmet. And later, Newman receives a speeding ticket due to the detector being defective. While waiting to meet the NBC executives, George and Jerry meet crazy Joe DeVola, a writer and total nut who goes to the same therapist as Elaine, Dr. Reston. Jerry, desperately searching for conversation, says he will see him at a party that Kramer's having. When it becomes apparent that Joe knows nothing about it and was not invited, Jerry makes a hasty and unsuccessful attempt to backtrack. George becomes more and more nervous about the impending meeting. Jerry tries to calm him down by building him up. In the meeting, George argues with the executives about his proposed premise, a show about nothing, no plot, no stories. It does not go over well with the executives, and when they show displeasure, George refuses to compromise on the idea. Jerry later blasts George for his actions, quite rightly too. George starts a relationship with one of the executives, Susan Ross, who of course we are to see much more of in season six. When George brings her to Jerry's apartment, Kramer drinks spoiled milk and vomits on her. Crazy Joe DeVola, upset at not being invited to Kramer's party, attacks Kramer, kicking him in the head. Thankfully, Kramer was wearing Newman's helmet at the time, which saves him any visible injury. However, he does seem to be affected uh, in certain ways, as uh, Sean referred to earlier with his yo-yo ma beginning. When Kramer tells Jerry that he was attacked, he warns that Joe is looking for Jerry as well. Dr. Reston went to Europe with Elaine, and no one, oh, so no one is making sure Joe takes his medication. It ends with some high comedy scenes in court, with Newman trying to get his, off his speeding ticket, uh, when Kramer, with a, shall we say, struggling memory, not helping Newman very much. And that is the synopsis. I just, I just want to chime in on the synopsis. Very interesting parallels with um, some of the Simpsons episodes we've covered mm. with an obvious main storyline and then a clearly for laughs side story. <laughs> Kramer often used for that. Yes. Yeah. So is Homer and Bart, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Um, when it's not about them. Um, but yeah, it's... Obviously, that's a TV show sort of trope of sorts. Uh, right, so we're just going to talk about a few interesting things, I guess, about uh, these particular episodes. The, the, what are they? The pitch and the ticket. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, go, I'll go to you first, Pat. I've uh, got a question for you, Sean, mm. actually. The bar at the start. Some parallels to Bad Guy Bar look like a similar setup. <laughs> Very similar setup, and one might say that TV execs are bad guys. Mm, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um, I was, uh, <laughs> I, I quite liked uh, re rewatching this and uh, George's spiel about um, toilet paper at the start. Just made me <laughs> think that he would be the first to be panic buying. Toilet paper in a in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> pretty topical. Mm. Uh, you know, there was uh, just some great stuff in there. I also liked uh, Kramer's pitch for the show when they talk. They keep coming out with ideas, um, and his one actually kind of sounded like uh, American Horror Stories freak show season. <laughs> Which is like that. 
Um, but yeah, there was a uh, there's some great stuff with Joe Devola. I thought that sort of he seemed like a character that could have been on um, what's his name uh, Lebowski in one of those. Uh, what, what was that team of guys called, Simon? You know, the, <laughs> there was like the, the three guys. No, the three guys with blonde hair that were crazy as hell that were always after them. The Annihilists. The Annihilists. The Annihilists. Yeah. yeah, he seemed heaps like one of them. He would have made a great Nihilist with Joe Devola. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that was really interesting about this episode was the just the parallels between real life and this episode. So obviously George and Jerry pitching the idea about a show about nothing there's some direct parallels with Larry and Jerry pitching a show about nothing. And of course, Seinfeld is famously about nothing. And it was just a bit of a, I think, a real FU to all the executives who said it was a terrible idea in the first place. Um, because at this point, Seinfeld was extremely popular. It was sort of becoming the phenomenon that it was it was going to be throughout the 90s. And... Um, I think that maybe Jerry and Larry, particularly Larry, was still a bit bitter that everyone doubted the idea in the first place. So to rub it in uh, doing this episode and show the executives being sceptical about it, I think, um, yeah, it was classic. Reven vengeful Larry David. Would have been a pretty good one for them to film, having Larry David there and knowing that, you know, George is basically Larry David. It was, there was one part after their meeting where, Jerry's giving him a, a massive dressing down, yeah. calling him a psycho and saying, you know, he needs he needs help and it would take a, a team of psychiatrists. And he looks like he's really enjoying getting into them. I just kept thinking about how Larry David would have been seeing him yelling at George, but basically talking to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah that <laughs> I mean, there's quite a lot of, I don't know if it's like, intentionally meta but it's like this commentary obviously on this this thing that's happened and there's the obvious stuff like those parallels and i'm sure we'll talk about the kramer one as well but i sort of as i was watching it they really they they do mug off execs a lot um you know they quite regularly like you know george is like straight away like you know anyone could write a sitcom have you seen what's on tv yeah like, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of maybe like self-referential, mugging themselves off, but perhaps also just mugging off the industry in general? Oh, the industry for sure. And I, the reason I say that vengeful thing, and you, you use the word meta, uh, Sean, and I think, correct me if I remember, I think George says that, you know, that you know when we were in the Chinese rep rep restaurant the other day, it was in the parking garage. I'm not sure exactly what he says. That's an episode. That's a show. And those two specifically, the Chinese restaurant and the parking garage, where they literally, all they do is sit in a Chinese restaurant waiting for a table and just walk around a parking garage looking for a park. The executives just rubbished those episodes. Their ideas for episodes will never work, you know, all that sort of stuff. So so to include that sort of throwaway line about, hey, that, that's a show about one of those concept episodes was definitely Larry just getting his dig in. How good. Um, I'll double down on Joe Devola from Pat. What a great character. Um, <laughs> and like you only see him once and the rest of the episode he's just talked about, but he's got such a presence. Crazy yeah. Joe Devola. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that um, I 
thought were pretty funny. Like it almost felt like Elaine's scenes in Europe were deliberately, um, <laughs> obviously green screened, or yeah. maybe even been blue screened at the time. I thought, it was I, like, just... I thought the Eiffel Tower was like cardboard. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I agree, it was hilarious. I think it was intentional too. I agree. And the other thing I noticed for the first time, um, I, maybe I was paying more attention than ever. But Jerry's apartment's pretty, uh, and it's pretty run down in there. Um, you get so comfortable seeing something all the time, you never notice it. And most of the time on sitcoms, the apartments are phenomenal. Like, um, like on Friends, both the, both the apartments are mint. Um, you know, like, but there's, there's a bit of a bit of New York realness to that one. Yeah, um, I noticed for the first time, oh, it was actually in the. It was the very start of the second part of this one-hour episode when Jerry's sporting a, a pair of Nikes that he has tiny, tiny feet. <laughs> like Joey Triviani in Vegas when they, <laughs> they realise he's got tiny feet and he has to buy tennis shoes. Like, there was one. There's probably a couple other things we have to talk about. I'll save the most interesting part for last. But um, this is the first appearance of Susan, long time recurring love interest of George. Absolutely. Um, and um, I guess we'd talk about the elephant in the room, Kramer. Uh, Simon, you want to fill us in on the Kramer? Yeah. So, what I believe is that. Again, the parallels between Larry and Jerry pitching the show are explicitly referred to in this episode. So Kenny Kramer, Larry's real-life neighbour, when Larry told him about the show, demanded that he play Kramer, um, much like Kramer demands that he play Kramer in this episode. And so, And Larry was so worried that... Kenny Kramer would kick up a fuss that in the first few episodes, Kramer's actually called Kessler. He wanted to change the name to Kessler so Kenny Kramer wouldn't kick up so much of a fuss. But the character was just such a Kramer, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but the Kramer was just the perfect name. So they switched from Kessler to Kramer, I think some way through season one. Um, so yeah, just not more, that, that. more yeah. of the, more of those uh, meta parallels there. I've got a question for you, Simon, that you yep. may or may not be able to answer. Um, so obviously, in this episode, uh, George is Larry, and um, George and Jerry have had a three seasons worth of friendship to yep. this point. Were Jerry and Larry good friends before the show started? It's a good question. I think they were. I think they just knew each other very well from the stand-up scene. Um, and Larry wasn't... He, Larry definitely did stand-up. I think that's where they knew each other from. Larry had a bit more experience with writing for shows, I believe. And George. And, sorry, George. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, than George. Because obviously oh, than, George has... Oh, than no. George. Yeah, definitely more than George. All right. Well, George, uh, George had his off-off-Broadway show. <laughs> oh what a line i george had to be the mvp of this episode for mine um oh i've I've, we'll get to that at the end um 
I've got the MVP and the runner-up to come, but yeah, it would be. I agree. It would be very. You would have to have a real interest in another character for a specific reason to go past George. Um, so I suppose before we get to that part, we'll just run off a few a uh, few quotes. If anyone noted anything down, I've got a couple. Um, you kick us off. You kick us off, Bob. All right. I, I probably my favourite is um, when the phone rings and um, Jerry answers the phone and the person goes, "Hi, would you be interested in switching over to TMI long distance service?" Oh, gee, I can't talk right now. Why don't you give me your home number and I'll call you later? Uh, I'm sorry, we're not allowed to do that. Oh, I guess you don't want people calling you at home. No. Well, now you know how I feel. <laughs> yeah, that's gold. I actually noted that down that I am going to use that at some point. If you ever had to buy Google Ads, you instantly get hounded for the next six months by marketing companies to ask you how your ads are going and if you need help. And so, the next time so that's happening, happening, I'm going to use that. So I brought, I, I also noted that one down, Sean. A, because it's great. But B, because as a, as a high school teacher, I often think about how a show from the 90s would translate today. And that being hounded by telemarketers, that joke would so, fall so flat on, you know, anyone under the age of 25 because home phones basically don't exist. And I just thought that was a really fascinating line that was one of the absolute coup de grace of the episode, right? It was one of the peaks of the episode. And now anyone under 25, they just don't know the struggle of having telemarketers constantly call you. I suppose we still get, you still get like self random spam phone calls every now and then on your cell phone, but it's not quite the same, is it? No, you just hurriedly I'm, press I'm the I'm on some sort of list. I get them. Don't know how, but I'm on everyone's list for those. <laughs> um, anyone else got any quotes? Yeah, I mean, I thought that um, just a couple of quotes that I thought illustrated the, how meticulous the scripts are written um, compared with, say, Curb Your Enthusiasm, that it's not really scripted at all. But I think it really adds to the show. So when George, is, <laughs> when George and Jerry are discussing the premise of the show and George is saying, no, Jerry's saying, nothing, nothing. I think you might have something there. Um, you know that that whole the you know the contrasting nothing and something was very very clever and the mm. aforementioned uh, Jerry absolutely blasting George uh, for George saying he has a uh, he doesn't want to compromise his artistic integrity. <laughs> oh, I've definitely got artistic integrity written down. And Jerry says yeah. you're not artistic and you have no integrity. <laughs> Which I just absolutely dope. reveled in. Yeah, where did you come up with that? <laughs> so I've got a few more, but I'll come back to myself later because I'm I'm known for stealing quotes. So go for it, Pat. Everyone's doing something. We'll do nothing. <laughs> that was, uh, the start of uh, that one that was bloody good. Um, we, we're running over both episodes for this. Yeah, I there was. There's basically some monologues coming out of Newman uh, in the courtroom. Oh, <laughs> when, so good. When uh, they're trying to say that uh, Kramer wanted to kill himself because he never got to live out his dream of being a banker. 
<laughs> yeah. He's saying that his friend only wanted to to be loved, well, to love, to be loved, and to be a banker. <laughs> I've got that written down as well. Yes, I admit I was speeding, but it was to save a man's life. <laughs> you must be a banker. <laughs> Shout out to Newman's costume as well in the uh, in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was well done for the courtroom. I, I confessed to. Um, I tried to find a good, good high definition of that image to put on for the episode when we release it, but uh, alas, it was it evaded my Photoshop <laughs> skills. Um, oh, I've just got one more. Um, when uh, Jerry, uh, well, when George is panicking, and Jerry says, "Don't worry about it. They're just TV executives. They're men with jobs, Jerry." They wear suits and ties. They're married. They have secretaries. <laughs> That's good. Oh, George just killed it for a good portion of this. Like, at one point in the interview, he just gets water, and he's unbelievably impressed by the fact that they have a water bottle. <laughs> that was great. And he yeah. just, for some reason, uh, keeps comparing himself to Ted Danson, who's like the absolute biggest star on network TV at that time for Cheers. Um, which kind of just sums up George's delusions of grandeur. I, I know that the listeners won't be able to see me, but the way he like points his hands at the execs and goes, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, I have written down vigor with which George says nothing. So I could not, you know, the vigor with which he says it, the certainty is absolutely uh, wonderful, so I concur. And then the response is, then why am I watching it? Because it's on TV. <laughs> not yet, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, George kills it from go to woe. Even the very start when he claims that he's unbelievable at spelling people's last names. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. And it has nothing to do with anything. They just throw it in. Just randomly starts spelling the guy's last name. I'm unbelievable at spelling last name. Except Russell Dalrymple's last name. Interesting that obviously while he's killing it in this episode for the viewers, he's obviously killing it as well for Susan because she's very interested in George. <laughs> for some reason that is never adequately explained through the course of the entire run of Seinfeld. No. I mean, w watching Seinfeld, generally speaking, and George dating anyone is quite baffling. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's, he's always punching well above his weight. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's very strange. I've got one more little observation to make about Uncle Leo, if I may. <laughs> yes. So Uncle Leo is so great, and he's one of my favourite characters, but... George and Jerry and Elaine, you can sort of transfer as well to discussion because it's scripted so well. People like Uncle Leo and Kramer, they're so great, but it's actually not that funny to talk about unless you're watching because it's that sort of physical comedy. Yeah. 
Um, it's fair. And Uncle Leo, I mean, there are other episodes where Uncle Leo does have just absolutely amazing lines. Um, I just wanted to mention Uncle Leo's cameo appearance that he's uh, furious at Jerry for not stopping. Um, but it's hard to say on a podcast and describe how funny it is because he's physically, uh, Len Lesser is the actor. He's such a gifted uh, physical comedy actor, um, much like Kramer, actually. So I just wanted to, to give a shout out to Uncle Leo, and I, but I can't do him justice on a podcast. That you don't get a lot phenomenal. of that. You don't get a lot of that like physical comedy these days. Like Kramer's prime example of it. Chris Farley was brilliant back in his day. Um, yeah. Yeah, dying, dying art form. Yeah, I dare oh, say. Um, go on, Bob. Um, I can't have a mind blank on his name here. Um, which is odd. Who plays the mask? Jim. Jim. Jim Carrey probably ruined physical acting. Despite yep. being a big fan of his myself, people got sick of it. For sure. Hmm. Yeah, I think Kramer's is the, just the right amount, right? Because he's only one quarter of the main cast, so oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's not constant. For me, it's it's like the Will Ferrell effect, like one of the funniest people ever. Yeah, but but I'd say maybe maybe people argue with me on this, but a lot of the films where he is the protagonist, he's not as funny is when he's Frank the Tank or, um, you know, in Wedding Crashes or whatever. The best cameo of all time. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we've got a new segment um, that Simon's introducing for the podcast today. Um, things you wouldn't get away with on network TV anymore. Yeah, yeah. So this is just purely me, I'm guessing. Um so at one point, somebody says that someone's getting gypped. Um, can't say that anymore. Uh, Kramer says, that's queer, huh? Another point. A lot of, in the Kramer-Newman storyline, which I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but a lot of flippant suicide jokes going on. in the. Mm, I, I noticed that. It made me uncomfortable, the, actually. In the Kramer-Newman storyline. <laughs> At one point during the court scene, Newman uh, acts out Kramer hanging himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I just don't think really would uh, go down well in the comedy world today. Um, so yeah, just four things, four things in, in quite a short space of time that you couldn't really get away with now. Um, not to say that anyone's terrible people for writing it but it's just interesting to note the changing and change of times in the last 30 years i think what's really interesting about it is and you actually do see this with friends a little bit is that people are still okay with it because of the time right so if seinfeld episodes are on they're not getting edited or episodes aren't not airing or anything like that the same with friends but you can find heaps of prop like there's there's lots of gay stuff in friends like yep. that you just wouldn't have in a sitcom anymore yeah but that show still runs on loop in every country in the world right just like seinfeld did for for quite a long time i'm sure cheers probably has some of the same stuff as well yeah but it seems to be okay 
to rerun it because people can acknowledge it's of a time. Yeah, yep. yeah, it's a product of its time. You got to take it as it is, and you know, there's plenty of things that you couldn't have now. Um, probably couldn't have Michael Richards starring in anything. Um, <laughs> I thought that might have yeah. been top of your list. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah, I, I thought that on the Michael Richards subjects, not not that subject, but him being Kramer. The, I actually the thought the incident. I actually thought the Kramer Newman story until the courtroom was quite weak. Um, kind of silly a little bit. Um, and I just they couldn't hadn't quite harnessed the power of Kramer at this point. They sort of get you know, and and that courtroom scene was just brilliant. Got no quibbles with that whatsoever. It was fantastic. But I think Sam made the point in the last Simpsons episode that I wasn't on about how the Simpsons writers just it got to a point with Millhouse where they just knew how to harness Millhouse and they knew exactly what they were doing and, and how to make Millhouse really, really funny. And with Kramer, they'd, they'd gotten most of the way there, but not until sort of season six do I think they really start to harness that. And that's such a common thing with comedies, right? Like um, Cartman... You know, in South Park, the first few seasons, he's just like swearing all the time and he's kind of obnoxious. And when you look back and it's just real unfunny, Stan, uh, not Stan, um, God, I've forgotten Stan Marsh's Randy. dad. Randy, of course. So, you know, and two more characters they don't quite harness until later, the latest mm. uh, seasons. Randy's a great example of a blossoming yeah. character. Yeah, even Homer and The Simpsons, you know, I mm. think he's another one they don't harness till, you know, season four, five, six. So I just, yeah, I thought Kramer, he's amazing. The courtroom was great, but I just, some of those early storylines are just a bit silly. Mm, yeah. It's interesting too, like, I think Seinfeld's a good example where um, they work it out and they never they never go too far with it. They work out what works and they stick to it. Yeah. Um, whereas The Simpsons, you know, once you get into those mid to late teens seasons, it is, it's overkill. It's too much. It's, yep. you know, like they lose what works. Maybe not with Millhouse, but certainly with some of the Homer stuff, it's like this, this doesn't make sense at all. Or whatever was irreverently funny about it is no longer the, what's happening. Yeah. And that's why Jerry, you know, turned down 100 mil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he knew that was it run its course, and um, I think that's the beauty of it. You know, it never, never got old. All right. Well, we'll go with runners up and MVPs. Um, anyone want to go first? Well, I think everyone's running for. George is the MVP of this episode. Should we just get it out uh, there? So, I'm going to go left field. I'm going to take Crazy Joe Devola as the MVP. As as your MVP? One scene. Yeah. One scene, (laughs) but a presence throughout those one slash two episodes. (laughs) When he might be outside the coffee house. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah, it is good stuff. Yeah, I think um, George MVP and Jerry. Runner up for his consistently blasting George for his lack of artistic integrity. Um, no doubt about it. Jerry Best Supporting Actor, George MVP. I'm definitely gonna have to go George MVP. George is like George is the perfected model 
of awkward comedy. Like, you kind of cringe every time. <laughs> you know, like, but you never to a point that you don't want them to be on screen. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes watching The Office, I find David Brent too much. I can't handle it. You know, I need that That's to end. That up. I agree. I agree. Uh, but with George, it's literally just to the point of which you can handle it and you actually want more. You know, you want to know what stupid thing George is about to say to the executives. And when he keeps saying nothing and Jerry's trying to come in and say, yeah, boy, yeah, and he's like, no, nothing, Jerry. You know, you're just like, yeah, I want this. I need this. Um, so he's, yeah, he's definitely my MVP as well. Um, and I, I would have to say uh, my, my runner-ups, um, Kramer. I just, I really, really enjoyed his concussion symptoms. <laughs> just, was, every time he, he said, what he started speaking, was it Spanish? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty, it was pretty good of like Michael Richards. That was very impressive, whatever he did there. Mm-hmm. Showing up with the one, one pant leg on. That was good. <laughs> I think that uh, wraps everything up, unless anyone else has got something, something to add. Oh, no, not at all. Um, I really enjoyed the episode. Looking forward to doing a few more. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, a few more Seinfelds. All right, uh, well, um, not sure when the next Seinfeld will be, but I know that in the in the coming weeks, I think next week we're back to an X-Men episode, and then we're rounding out this month with Mortal Kombat, the movie, 1995, very very excited in the slacks for that one until next time dear listeners 